can't believe that we've been doing this online church thing for almost four months. It's uh, been really difficult not having church together in person, but it's actually been a blessing that we can still connect through recorded sermons and our regular Sunday Zoom gatherings. Well, we're nearing the end of our series on Heroes, Villains, and Redemption, and this is my final sermon on the series. Next week, Jonathan is going to be wrapping it up, and we'll be moving on to another series. For my final pick, I decided to go with one of my all-time favorites, as you can see, Batman. I love Batman so much, I'm excited to share this sermon with you today. So as always, we're going to start the sermon with a video clip. Today we'll be watching the opening scene from Christopher Nolan's 2005 film, Batman Begins. Young Bruce Wayne is hiding from his friend Rachel Dawes when he unexpectedly falls down a well. Enjoy. be needing an ambulance, Master Wayne. I'll set the bone and take him for an x-ray later. Very good, sir. I'm very sorry, sir. Don't I've worry, that's fine. Took quite a fall, didn't we, Master Bruce? And why did we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. Well, this line is uh, probably one of the most famous from the movie. Why do we fall? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. Now, this line is uttered by Bruce's father, Thomas Wayne, the extremely wealthy owner of Wayne Enterprises. Okay, so we're going to take a look at Batman's origin story as told in one of the earliest Batman comics from 1939. One night, Thomas Wayne, his wife, and his son Bruce were walking home from a movie when they are mugged by a criminal named Joe Chill. Thomas tries to intervene, and the mugger ends up shooting Thomas and Martha right in front of Bruce. The boy's eyes are wide with terror and shock as the terrible scene is spread before him. Days later, a curious and strange scene takes place. Bruce prays in his bed, and I swear by the spirits of my parents to avenge their deaths by spending the rest of my life warring on all criminals. As the years pass, Bruce prepares himself for this career. He becomes a master scientist. He trains his body to physical perfection, and he prepares to use his wealth to fund his crime fighting. The only thing now that he needs is a disguise. Bruce mutters to himself, Criminals are superstitious, cowardly lot, so my disguise must be able to strike terror into their hearts. Must be a creature of the night. Black, terrible, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, a bat, that's it. It's an omen. I shall become a bat. And thus is born this weird figure of the dark, this avenger of evil, the Batman. Batman doesn't have any superpowers, but his wealth, his technology, intelligence, detective skills, and his athletic ability make him one of the greatest superheroes of all time. And he's also got a great team working with him. 
his butler, Alfred Pennywise, Pennyworth, sorry, technology specialist, uh, Lucius Fox, Commissioner James Gordon, and his trusty sidekick, Robin. And of course, he also has the Justice League and all the other heroes that have fought crime alongside him over the years. Now, these are some of the some of the actors who have portrayed him over the years. Quite a wide range of performances there. I love those early costumes. And for our sermon today, I'm going to be focusing primarily on Christian Bale's version of Batman, specifically from the movie Batman Begins. The reason I'm doing that is because the central theme of that movie is a key part of human nature that Jesus brings redemption for. And that key part, that key theme in the movie is fear. As we already saw in the earlier clip, Bruce's fear of bats is birthed and amplified when he falls down that well and his swar- and is swarmed by bats. And on the night of Bruce's parents' death, they attend a theater production that frightens Bruce and his fear is the reason that they leave the play early and exit into the alleyway where his parents are murdered. Thomas's dying words to Bruce in that scene are, Don't be afraid. Throughout the movie, Bruce is forced to wrestle with his fears, especially when training in ninja methods in Bhutan with the League of Shadows. And we're going to check out another clip here. What you really fear is inside yourself. You fear your own power. You fear your anger, the drive to do great or terrible things. Now, you must journey inwards. You are ready. Breathe. fear you must become fear you must bask in the fear of other men to conquer fear you must become fear this is why bruce takes on the persona of batman he wants to strike fear and terror into criminals with the same fear that terrorized him as a child along with bats there are many things that bruce fears bruce has a fear of death He fears losing loved ones. He fears killing, and that fear of killing people comes from his fear of becoming like the criminals that he is fighting to stop. And and perhaps Bruce's greatest fear is failure. He's afraid of failing the city of Gotham. He's afraid of failing those he loves. And he's afraid of failing himself. Now, Batman may seem tough and scary as he uses his persona and his gadgets and stealth moves to strike fear in the hearts of Gotham's criminals, but underneath his mask, Bruce wrestles with inner fears just like the rest of us. What are your fears? For me, I've got a whole laundry list of them. Uh, To start off, I have a huge fear of heights. I'm also afraid of getting hurt, so I'm extremely cautious with everything I do. Uh, When I was younger, public speaking really terrified me. Thankfully, I've to some extent gotten over that. Um, I have a fear of saying something that's dumb and having people laugh at me. 
Another one of my weird fears is I'm actually afraid of getting my hair cut, which sounds ridiculous, but there's actually a whole history behind why I have that fear. And it's no wonder that it took me months to cut my own hair during this pandemic. I don't really want to get into it. But when we get to like a deeper level, I, I fear my wife or my daughter getting hurt. I fear something happening to them. And when I read the news lately, that doesn't calm my fears. What are things that you fear? You know, it could be anything related to COVID-19 right now. It could be job situations, job performance. It could be your finances. It could be broken relationships or lack of relationships. Maybe you have a fear of growing older or ultimately you might have a fear of death. N.T. Wright makes this observation in his book, Following Jesus. Do you know what the most frequent command in the Bible turns out to be? What instruction, what order is given again and again by God, by angels, by Jesus, by prophets and apostles? What do you think? Be good, be holy for I am holy, or negatively, don't sin, don't be immoral? No. The most frequent command in the Bible is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Let that soak in for a minute. If you do a Bible search for those phrases, you will read over and over again, God commanding his people to not be afraid. We are a fearful people and we have much to be afraid of. We're going to take a look now at a story of Peter and the disciples as they are wrestling with their fears. We're going to read Matthew 14, 22 to 26. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Look, there's that command again. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I find this story so fascinating because Peter seems completely fearless right off the gate. How many of us, if we saw Jesus walking on water, would think, Oh, I, I want to try walking on water too. Have you ever had a, a lucid dream where you realize that you're in a dream and you realize that you can do whatever you want and you won't get hurt. I've had this a few times and, 
and I'll realize I'm dreaming and I'll see a cliff or something like a cliff and I'll, I'll go to the edge of the cliff and say, it's a dream. I can just jump off and fly and do all these amazing things. But then when I get to the cliff's edge and I look down, something comes over me and I can't bring myself to jump because I start fearing again. I start to think, what if this isn't a dream? What if I'm really going to get hurt? And here in this moment, Peter does what I would be terrified to do. He asks Jesus if he can walk on the water too. And Jesus says, yes. But so quickly, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and he sees the wind and the waves and his fear comes back out of nowhere and he starts to sink. What happened? Why did Peter let his fears overtake him like that? Lenti Wright writes more about God's command to fear not. The irony of this surprising command is that, though it's what we all really want to hear, we have as much difficulty, if not more, in obeying this command as any other. We all cherish fear so closely that we find we can't shed it even when we're told to do so. For me, this understanding has become even more real as I parent a four-year-old daughter, my daughter Lucy. I cannot for the life of me understand why she is so gripped by fear sometimes. She knows that I'm strong. She knows that I have experience and wisdom. She knows I'm mostly right when it comes to giving directions and advice. But in many situations, there is nothing that I can say or do to make her trust me and not be afraid. You know, sometimes we'll be watching a, a movie or a TV show and something scary pops in. She freaks out, runs out of the room. I try to reassure it's going to be okay. It's just a movie. She just can't handle it. There's lots of times when she just fear overtakes her and she just can't go forward. And one example of, of this is it took me so long for me to convince her that it was safe to jump into my arms. She just wouldn't do it. She would stand on the edge of the bed and she would shake and she would try and muster up the strength to jump, but she just couldn't let go. I don't know what it was. She didn't trust that I was going to catch her or that I could catch her. Why was she so afraid? Well, Peter is watching Jesus walk on the water and he himself is now walking on water. But then, for a brief moment, he lets his fear slip back in and he embraces it, allowing it to cause him to sink. We have seen God's power in our lives. And we've heard stories of God's power in other people lives, people's lives. We've read the stories in the Bible of God at work. So why do we continue to embrace our fears and not trust God? N.T. Wright continues, Every one of us has something on her or his mind about which we badly need a voice to say, Don't be afraid. It's going to be all right. As the Lord said to Lady Julian, All shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Let's make no mistake about it. Until you learn to live without fear, you won't find it easy to follow Jesus. How do we learn 
to live without fear? How do we get to total faith in Christ? Well, it's helpful to see the journey that Peter and the disciples took as they grew in their faith. In the Gospels, they have such little faith. They've seen so many miracles, so many mighty deeds done by Jesus. But when he gets arrested, they shrink in fear and they scatter. But then you look at them in the book of Acts. They boldly speak in public about Jesus, knowing that it's going to get them in trouble. They're arrested and they're beaten. And that doesn't stop them from continuing to preach in public. What happens in the book of Acts that takes away their fears? Well, first, they encounter the resurrected Jesus. They all know Jesus was crucified. They all know his body died and that he was laid in a tomb. So when they meet the risen Jesus, it changes everything. They can trust in Jesus because now they know Jesus can do anything, even rise from the dead. Secondly, they encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. Upon meeting the resurrected Jesus, they completely trust everything that he's telling them. And he commands them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come. And they faithfully wait for the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, they are filled with power and boldness. And we see them walking in the Spirit throughout the book of Acts. But the third reason they rise above their fears is because they are taking steps out in faith. And they are discovering as they step out that God is faithful to keep his promises. Remember the quote from Batman Begins, Why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? Peter fell in the water. Peter fell under pressure at Jesus' trial. But Peter kept getting back up again. And each time, his faith grew stronger and stronger. It's not like his fears ever... Uh, it's not like his fears never went away. Later in life, he's afraid to eat with Gentiles for fear of what the local Jews will think. But Paul calls him out for this and he snaps him out of his fears. Even Paul, later in his life, he had to wrestle with his fears of failing the Corinthian church. God doesn't completely take away our fears. But over time, he gives us more and more strength as we trust in the Spirit and step out in faith. And every time we step out and we make mistakes and we don't trust in God and things don't work out well, if we keep getting back up by the power of the Spirit, we learn more and grow in our faith. This example of our faith growing from our mistakes for me is most evident in the story of Abraham. When God calls Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac, Abraham should have pushed back. God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and now he's in his 90s and Isaac is his only child. If he kills this boy, God's promise is gone. Why would God be calling me to kill the promise that he made? But Abraham reacts without fear and with complete faith. He doesn't question God. He doesn't push back. He faithfully follows God's leading. And in the end, 
God stops Abraham from sacrificing Isaac and he provides a ram for the sacrifice. This seems like such an incredible extreme story. But it's actually not that extreme when you consider the journey Abraham went on to get to that place in his faith. Abraham's journey of faith began when God called him out of the land of Ur to move his family to the unknown land of Canaan. This was a big step of faith, but Abraham was quite wealthy, so he went for it. Well, we see cracks in Abraham's faith right away. The first real crack was when a great famine forced Abraham and his family to relocate to Egypt for a season. And while they are there, Abraham was afraid that the Egyptians would see his beautiful wife, Sarah, and they would kill him to take her. So Abraham tells everyone that she is his sister. Uh, God had promised him that he will make him into a great nation, but he doesn't trust God will save him. So he potentially gives his wife over to be abused just to spare his own life. The next mistake that Abraham makes is putting his faith in his nephew Lot. Abraham is getting old and he probably doubts that God's going to provide an offspring for him. So he keeps his nephew Lot around as kind of an insurance policy. But that doesn't go well and eventually the two of them have to part ways. Then Abraham prays to God and basically says he's given up. He doesn't think that God's going to give him kids and he's going to have to pass on his inheritance to a servant, Eliezer of Damascus. And once again, God has to pick him up and remind him of this promise and assure him that one day he will have a son who will make him into a great nation. But still, Abraham lacks faith. And Sarah and him, they come up with this wonderfully great plan where Abraham sleeps with Sarah's servant Hagar, and that's going to produce the promised child. So Abraham does it, and Ishmael is born, but God says, no, no, this isn't the way I wanted to do this. This isn't the promise that I intended for you. And then it continues. Abraham then encounters King Abimelech. And once again, Abraham pulls the whole Sarah is my sister routine. Ah, Seriously, Abraham, where is your faith by now? He's still afraid that God won't save him. So he lies to save himself. Over the course of all these events, Abraham is afraid and he doubts that God's promise to him will come to pass. He doubts that God's promise that to him that all will be well. He trusts in God for a time, but then he fails. He trusts and then he fails. Trusts, fails, and then in his late 90s, God finally fulfills his promise and gives them their first child, Isaac. After everything Abraham has been through, he has seen God do miraculous things over and over again. And finally, with the birth of Isaac, his faith is really made strong. So when Isaac is older and God appears to Abraham and tells him to sacrifice the one promised child, Abraham doesn't hesitate because he has a history with God. He has walked with God and he has seen and determined that God is good. And he knows that God is powerful. And his faith in God now overcomes all of his previous fears. 
Perhaps Abraham knew that God would stop him from killing Isaac. Or as Paul writes later in the New Testament, perhaps Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac again from the dead after he was killed. In any case, Abraham's faith did not emerge miraculously in this one instance. It took a lifetime of screwing up and having God gently lead him back to faith every time. In 1 John 4, 16-18, we read, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God, rele- God revealed his perfect love to us in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus. And that perfect love drives out all fear. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, there is absolutely nothing that we can be afraid of. And though we might hear that truth and grasp it for a season, it really takes a whole lifetime of stepping out in faith and falling and stepping out again and falling again for us to truly realize and understand that the power to raise Jesus from the dead is still working in our lives picking us up when we fall and leading us to the day when all will be well. We can trust God with all our big fears and therefore we can trust him with all our little everyday fears. When you feel fear rise up inside you, let that be the sign of the spirit calling you to take your eyes off that which scares you in that moment and put them back on the one who is able to walk on water, to heal the sick, and raise people from the dead. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are above and beyond and greater than all our fears. As humans, we will always have fear in this world. We will always doubt. We will always wrestle But God, you are faithful to us and you will keep picking us up and teaching us how to walk and step with the Spirit and faith. God, I pray for myself and for everyone out there listening to this. As we wrestle with our own personal fears, whether they be small or great, I pray, God, that by your Spirit, you would lead us to walk in faith and not by fear. Give us experiences and moments when we see your power strong and at work, where we can trust you and know that you are good. Help us, God, to muster up the courage to stand at the edge of the bed and jump into your arms. It's not easy for us, God, to let go. We hold on to our fear so tightly and we let it slip back in. We pray, God, that you would release us from those fears. Give us the strength and faith we need to follow your will and to be a power of good and change for this world. Amen. Well, I hope that you can join us again for worship, prayer, and discussion on Sunday after Zoom. 
And once again, here are some questions that we'll be discussing. So I encourage you to take some time to reflect on these before Sunday. Uh, what are some of your fears? Could be something simple. I, I know some people have a fear of pickles. I don't know why, but some people do. Some people have a fear of cats, ghosts. Who, who knows? What's, what are your fears? Could be little, could be big. I don't know. Uh, and second question, when have you given into your fears and felt the consequences? So when have there been times when you knew this wasn't the right thing to do or you were afraid and you kind of acted impulsively or did something rash and it just didn't work out? It didn't go well. It wasn't a good idea, but you let your fears overtake you. What are some of those stories? Uh, the third question is, how have you experienced God when you've pushed past your fears and taken a step of faith? You know, what are the times in your life when you really have let go and let God lead you and you've seen incredible things? Or it could be small things, something that was just a, a, a small little thing that was just a, a an anchor for you to know, wow, God is real and God is at work in my life. So I would love to hear those stories on Sunday and I encourage you. Uh, take some time to pray through the scriptures that I, I preached on this uh, in this sermon and uh, pray through these questions. And I just I look forward to seeing you again on Sunday. Um, as a bonus for sticking around to the end of the sermon, I've included some special videos of times in my life when I've faced my terrible fear of heights and I've taken literal steps of faith. Enjoy, everyone. <laughs> Just gotta wait for um, the old um, air traffic control to give us his <laughs> 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 <laughs>